0: I really hope that we're able to now recognize that being busy isn't serving us, and that when we shift from being busy to doing the important work, uh, that I think can really open up tremendous potential in our lives.
1: Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavalletta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hi everybody, welcome to How Do You Feel? I have a really exciting episode to share with you guys. On the podcast this week is Dr. Greg Wells. Greg is a scientist and performance physiologist as well as an author, and he has dedicated his career to exploring and researching human limits and making that science understandable and actionable. If you've read any of his four best-selling books, then you know that this is true. He really packages up the science in a way that is tangible and relatable and allows you to integrate it into your daily life. He has a PhD in respiratory physiology and is currently a scientist in translational medicine at the Hospital for Sick Children, where his research is currently focused on improving outcomes in children with chronic diseases via physical activity. Greg's four books include Superbodies, The Ripple Effect, The Focus Effect, and his latest called Rest, Refocus, Recharge. He loves public speaking and has presented to audiences all over the world at events such as TEDx and the Titan Summit, sharing the stage with names such as Richard Branson, Steve Wozniak, and Deepak Chopra. Greg is also the CEO and founder of Wells Performance, a global consulting firm on a mission to elevate how we live our lives. He has worked with some of the highest performing individuals on the planet, including Olympic and World Championships, and elite organizations including GE, BMO, Deloitte, BMW, Audi, and Air Canada, just to name a few. In this episode, Greg and I discuss the details of why you actually need to slow down to speed up in every area of your life. We talk about the importance of rest and recharging, for high performance at work, in family life, in your athletic endeavors, in everything. It was an absolute blast to get the chance to talk to Greg. His stories are so compelling and so interesting. I know you guys are going to absolutely love this one. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Greg Wells. Hi, Greg. Welcome to the How Do You Feel podcast. I'm so excited to have you on and get the chance to talk with you today.
0: Yeah, I'm so psyched to be able to do this. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's going to be a blast.
1: Yeah, of course, for sure. It will be. So you've written and spoken about the concept of slowing down to speed up, which when you first hear it sounds like such an oxymoron, what does slowing down to speed up
0: mean to you? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. <laughs> I haven't really totally thought about that. Oh my gosh. Um, so what it really means is this, like I, I'm pretty busy. I run a lab at a hospital. I was a professor at UT. I've got two kids. I'm you know running all over the place doing public speaking. I've got a consulting company. So I'm like super busy. And so it's pretty easy to get caught up in all of that and to get burned out and to get tired and to get fatigued and to get stressed. And I think a lot of people uh, actually up until very recently were feeling that way a lot. And so I began to look at it very carefully and to try to think about like, how do we all get better? How do we get healthier? How do we reach our potential? How do we not feel like we're spinning our wheels all the time? And I discovered that there are so many different ways that the brain works, which open up our ability to do things differently. When we relax, we actually become able to be more creative we have these eureka moments like when you're and a lot of people can probably identify with that like if you've ever been sort of just sitting in the shower eyes closed water hitting your head and all of a sudden boom you've got this idea that pops into your head it's because your brain state has changed into a creative mode similarly when we're trying to learn you can't learn if you're stressed right it's not going to happen so you actually have to get relaxed in order to be able to learn and get stuff to go into your brain so once I just started discovering all of this I realized that the way that I was doing things and the way that I think many people are doing things is not serving us and we can do things a little bit differently. And slowing down to speed up was a simple way of describing that to get that across to a lot of people really quick.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's such an important point. It very much ties into the concept behind your latest book, Rest, Refocus, and Recharge. Why are rest and recovery actually such vital pieces of high performance?
0: I think that we can relate it back to the human body and then we can jump into the brain. But I was a physiologist for Olympic athletes for many years. And one of the things we taught our athletes was after workout, what you do post-workout is almost as important as what you do during the workout. So after you lift weights, you need to get some protein on board so you can break down the amino acids to rebuild your muscles. Uh, If you've done a really hard training session, speed work, for example, your nervous system is going to be all, disrupted. So you need some healthy fats to rebuild your nervous system. If you've done a hard cardio session and you're completely depleted, your glycogen levels are low. So you need some carbs to get your energy back up. And it's that recovery period that gives you the chance to come back and do it better the next day. That's actually true for all of us. doesn't matter whether you're doing a workout or you're just stressed at work. You know, Stress has a similar effect. It takes sugars out of your liver and dumps them into your blood. It depletes neurotransmitters inside your brain. Like we get tired. And in the go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle culture, you can just stay that way for a very long period of time. And that chronic stress is what leads us into many different diseases, cardiovascular, cardiovascular disease, it depletes the immune system. So you become at greater risk of cancer. And even now, I mean, we're recording this in the middle of the coronavirus issue that's happening around the world. And we know that stress depletes our immune system. So it's even more important now than it's ever been to sort of take these breaks to rest, to recover, to regenerate, to give ourselves the chance to heal our bodies, to give our brains the chance to repair and to regenerate and to refuel. We're seeing it at a global scale now that we're being asked to sort of isolate it at home. Uh, people are getting a chance to slow down and maybe read that book and maybe sleep in because you're not commuting or whatever it happens to be. And I think that there's actually a, a little bit of a benefit that's coming out of this knock on wood um, and not to minimize the people that are going to struggle and be be sick and or are sick. But I think that when we rest, when we, when we recover, our bodies get better, our minds get better, we're stronger, we're fitter, we're faster, we're smarter. And I think that that's just something that all of us can build into our lives and to make our lives a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I think you make such a good point that, Amidst this craziness of COVID-19, we're sort of being handed on a platter, this opportunity in this period of time where we can see it as a bit of a rest and recharge phase. Never before has the world seen something like this, where we have to stay at home. And so we can see it as such a great opportunity. Um, In training, we would call it a deload phase, but Mm -hmm. the deload phase is just as important as the working phase. because. You don't get better in the working phase. You actually get better and your body and mind rebuild and get that much stronger in the resting phase. So it is so critical. And, you know, in this state of self-isolation and quarantine where we're all home, we're kind of getting that gift.
0: which <laughs> It's being forced upon us. Yeah. And, um, you're right, like the deloading phase, the tapering phase, that's where all the adaptations happen. That's where your muscles get stronger. That's when your immune system... Uh, heals all of your muscles and that's when your white blood cells go around and repair all the broken down tissues and that's where we get our gains you can get you know if you deload for three weeks leading into a marathon you can get three to five percent performance boost by doing less we're all being forced to do that right now whether we want to or not and it's a chance for us maybe to have dinner with our families with our phones off Um, maybe it's a chance for you to read that book that's been sitting on your shelf for a long time. Maybe it's a chance for you to take a course online and learn something new. You know, we've got the treadmill set up downstairs and I've been running more in the last two weeks than I have been in the months leading into this. Granted, I live in Canada and it's cold up here. So, you know, I've got that excuse, but actually now I don't because, you know, you've just got to get it done. So I think that you're absolutely right. This is a huge opportunity for us. And I really want us to carry this forwards after this is all over too. Uh, spend that quality time with family, prioritize your health and your fitness, deload consistently throughout your life so that you're constantly getting better, not just, you know, once or twice a year when you take a vacation. So mm-hmm. yeah, your, your idea about deloading is so important. To, and I love that concept.
1: My hope is that people are reflective enough about what this time is providing and how much better it's making them feel in a lot of ways that they do carry it forward into their lives and make it a point to integrate some of these things that we're able to do now that maybe they haven't in the past in their lives. You're mentioning that you're running more. It sounds like maybe you guys are having more family dinners, but what other opportunities has this provided you in your own personal life?
0: Yeah, so I was just downstairs watching my five-year-old on the treadmill, so that's new. Uh, <laughs> never seen him run on the treadmill before. I think he's just copying his older sister. Uh, Ingrid, my daughter, who's nine, ran 8K the other night because I was like, the only way that you're going to watch TV, TV being her iPad, you got to do it on the treadmill. And she's like, that's fine. So, you know, hour and a half later, she's gone 9K. I was like, you got you to stop. Oh my gosh. Before, so. <laughs> anyway, she's getting into crazy good shape. So I'm spending a little bit of time with the kids. I also took a photography course online. So that's kind of neat. Like I, in the evenings, just downloaded a bunch of videos from someone whose YouTube channel I was following and, you know, did his online course about photography because it's sort of a side hustle, you know, thing I was interested in, but now I'm like actually legitimately learning about it. And also Judith and I, my wife, we're just like eating better and we eat really well to begin with, but now we're really eating well. The fact that I normally am on, you know, two to four flights a week that time, not in hotels, not in airports, not on airplanes, I've got back. And when I'm at home, there's time to eat and actually like eat with my kids, eat with my family, talk to them and really, you know, sort of dig in. Uh, I'm reading stories to the kids at night. I actually just helped Ingrid with her homework a minute ago before I jumped on this call. Like that hasn't happened in months. It was hard to grade four, man. Holy smokes. Are <laughs> they getting stuff. into algebra, long division? That's not so really hard. Understand. I was like, I Khan Academy can teach you that. Um, so, yeah, no, it's been a very weird time. Like, again, I don't want to minimize the challenges that people are facing mm-hmm. and that we're all going to face. You know, we're certainly not anywhere close to the conclusion of this, and we need to take care of our health and the health of everybody else and really, really lean into that. But I really want us to understand, just recognize and pause for a moment. And you said reflect. I think that's a really important thing to consider. Like, when we pause and reflect, I think now is a chance for us to actually understand that what we took for granted is no longer here. And maybe we do appreciate that opportunity in the future to go have a glass of wine with friends and family on the weekend and actually like have a meal out with someone, go to a restaurant that's like off the table for many of us right now. That's something I'm kind of looking forward to. I'm looking forward to going for a group ride with my buddies on the, on the weekend not doing that right now. Like we're doing virtual group rides on Zwift, It's (laughs) just not the same. And out of all of that reflection, I think is coming a deep sense of gratitude for how great our life is now that I realize how, you know, how many things have been taken away. And I think it's easy to go down the road. Oh, this is such an inconvenience. I've got to line up at the grocery store or I'm not allowed to, to go to work. Oh, I, you know, there's so many negative things to look at if you choose to do that. But there's also an enormous number of positive things that we can look at. And I'm just leaning massively into the positive side of things and practicing gratitude and practicing reflection and just trying to think about it and, and lean into it and, and go with it. Because there's things that are in your control and things that are not in your control. And this is definitely one of those things that is not directly in our control. Although obviously, you know, physical distancing and all of those other practices are gonna hopefully shorten this up as much as, as we, we can and get through this quick.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that leaning into and focusing very deeply on those positive things, we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't do that. And even in doing that, it doesn't mean that we're forgetting and dismissing and not acknowledging the hardships that many people are, are going through because of this situation, but With this drastic change of scenario that we've all been given, I think that it is important to lean into what is good from this and also realize that this is temporary. So it will end at some point and hopefully our world will be stronger for it after.
0: Yeah, the saying, the Buddhist saying of this too shall end I think is a -hmm. very important one. This is temporary, it is not gonna go on forever. In a very strange way, we might even look back upon this as a time when we all did collectively pause uh, we did collectively take a breath when the earth did heal to some extent a friend of mine in the dominican who lives there uh, sent me a video this morning he just leaning out of his window and he filmed a whale that's in the bay where he lives. He said, he hasn't seen a whale in six years. Like there's definite sort of collective healing that's happening, even though obviously we're in the middle of this massive pandemic, that's going to be uh, extraordinarily problematic. I think that there's this weird balance that's being established. And I really hope that we can come through it afterwards and take with it the good parts. So Mm -hmm. gratitude, community, social connection, the importance of taking care of ourselves and our health, which we maybe put on a back burner previously, which we realize now we actually cannot. It, yeah. Prior And understanding like, oh my gosh, when we rest, we actually get healthier. You know, my kids are are sleeping in and they're learning so much more now that they're not, not tired. And it's just, it's interesting to see how it's all playing out. And I really believe that there's a lot of positives that we can take out of this very difficult situation. I hope we continue to do that even when it's over.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. Let's talk a little bit about this concept of busyness. It seems like this is everywhere right now. We're all busy. How are you? Oh, I'm really busy, right? I have so much to do always. There's a big difference between being busy and being productive. And you talked about this in your latest book. So first of all, I wanna know, why are we all so hooked on being busy all the time? It's almost like we're addicted to it. And then what's the importance of making yourself productive instead of just busy?
0: I'm so glad you brought that up. That's so huge. And I think that even three weeks ago now, you look back and there was this massive culture of hustle, 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 go, go, go. So busy. Uh, just people generally stressed. Burnout statistics were off the charts. were faced mm-hmm. with depression and anxiety. Uh, the chatter on social media was largely negative and derogatory and like there were some channels that were positive, but there was just so much noise that was negative. And even now, three weeks later, negative commenting on social media just isn't there. Like you just have Mm -hmm. no space for that. And people just have no tolerance in this time when you can't be negative. There's sorry, there's too much negativity in the news. And so when we're busy, when we're caught up in our to-do lists, when we're doing things for the sake of doing them, because we feel like we have to do them rather than we want to do them, we end up just plowing our way through lives and you know, you blink and three months have gone by because you're just caught up in your busy routine. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are feeling so anxious and so many people are feeling so depressed is because if their lives were not on point and we were not doing the things that give us meaning and purpose and that fill our souls basically, right? Like we're not doing the things that matter to us. We're not spending enough time with our families and we're not maybe working out to the level that we want to be working out or taking care of our bodies and minds through exercise and meditation the way that we wanted to be doing them and so when we shift from being busy to being productive and i'm not even worried so much about being productive anymore i'm just worried about doing the important work like the things that matter to you the things that are mission critical for you spending your time on the things that matter to you and your family, whether that's writing that book that you've always meant to write or taking the course that you want to, starting your side hustle business or registering for that 5K or downloading the meditation app and doing meditation or you know having dinner with your family for it. like I don't care what it is. Yeah. You just I really hope that we're able to now recognize that being busy isn't serving us and that when we shift from being busy to doing the important work, Uh, that I think can really open up tremendous potential in our lives. And I really want us to carry that forward. So like one of the things you can do just when you wake up in the morning, before you get caught up in your email inbox or the hustle of the day, is just simply to write down three to five things you want to accomplish that day. Like what are the single most important things you need to do? Get those things written down on paper, stick them next to your desk and make sure that you refer to that so that you're making good decisions during the course of the day, because stuff's going to come at you. And it may seem important in the instant that you get it, but the reality is it's probably not important for your actual goals, for you. So I think that's really important. That busy versus productive, busy, busy versus important, I think is definitely something to consider very deeply. And I'm not saying that being, you know, hustling is bad. Like you've got to get stuff done every once in a while. It's totally okay focus and perform, execute, get stuff off that to-do list, but make sure it's your to-do list, not someone else's to-do list.
1: Yeah. That's a great exercise. Such a great suggestion for something that you can do right away. I actually normally do that the night before I go to bed, as I write out the big things that I know that I want to accomplish that day. That way, when I wake up, it's very clear. But I love that you made the point that it doesn't have to be work-related necessarily. It's... What are the things that are moving you closer to being the person that you want to be, where you want to be with the things that you like feel are important in your life, right? It's not just about your work life. So there there are many different ways that you can see being productive. And I'm really glad that you made that distinction because I think that's, that's an important one.
0: Yeah, super cool. I'm glad you brought that up. And like, as you were saying that, I was thinking, I was like, so it all really comes down to Us asking ourselves, like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? So many of the time, you don't actually have an answer to that question. Or you're afraid of asking the question because the answer is so inconsistent with what's actually happening right now. So at this moment, we've had everything wiped off. Like, we're all at home. Many of us are not actually going into the office. We're not part of all of our clubs have been shut down. Everything is off the table. So when we go back, you can literally craft your life all over the, again from the ground up. Like you can build a new schedule. You can create the new routines. You can on and on and on and on and on. But it comes How down to- How powerful is that? Isn't that awesome? Like it's that's so actually cool. kind of in a really sick way exciting. But the thing it comes down to ultimately is like, what do you want? And I think that so often we don't give ourselves permission to ask that question. And I think we should. And then the answers are really cool. And you can use that to guide your life moving forwards, given that we're basically starting from a clean slate which is super cool.
1: Yeah. I think you're right that sometimes people are afraid to ask that question because sometimes I have conversations with clients about their goals and what matters to them in life. And we have these awesome sit down conversations. And then we talk about what their day-to-day life looks like and the amount of time that they're actually allotting to those things it, it's totally inconsistent. It's so off. And I think it's a really, really hard thing to come to terms with when you feel like you're so far in the wormhole of all of the obligations and all of the things at work and your schedule that's so busy. It's like there, you feel like there's no way out or it would take such a drastic measure on your part to get out of it. But you're right. It's so crazy that we kind of were just handed that. So yeah. when we go back... You don't have to go back into those things. You get a chance to restructure yourself, which is so cool.
0: Yeah. Like defend yourself relentlessly, mm-hmm. right? Like what clubs do you want to rejoin? Cause you've probably canceled all your memberships, right? Like what coach do you want to work with moving forwards? What do you want to do with your spare time? Like all of my kids activities are canceled. It's all gone. We're going to start it all over. Like, what are we going to do? Which club are we going to join? What practices are we going to do? It's all there for us. And you can rebuild it and what you said earlier about like when you talk to your clients and what they want what their goals are and then you look at their calendar and they're totally different things (laughs) like that's so key because your calendar actually shows us what your real priorities are how Mm -hmm. are you allocating your time and once you get your calendar and your priorities aligned then your life gets just absolutely incredible And it's a work in progress, like I'm nowhere close to where I want to be. I'm like still working on this even now in this, you know, time when everything's off the table, I'm still working on adjusting and trying to make it better. And it's like this ongoing process to probably never stop for the rest of my life. But how we allocate our time really matters. And now is a chance to make sure that the way that you allocate your time actually matches with your priorities. And, you know, as a coach, you can probably help people so much right now to actually do that. So it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. We're going to take a short break from the episode because I have a very important announcement. If you are feeling unmotivated to stick to a workout schedule right now, or you're struggling to figure out what the heck to do at home to stay active, you are not alone, and I am here to help you. Introducing a new service, one-on-one online coaching. I want to become your personal trainer, even while we're all social distancing. Here's what you'll get from starting a program with me. You'll get a four-week personalized strength training program. You'll get ongoing accountability to help you stick to your goals and your program, which is really challenging right now when we're all sitting at home. You'll get full-body at-home strength workouts customized exactly for whatever space and equipment you have at home. I can also give you suggestions for a few things that you can buy to really maximize your program. Plus, you'll get access to All Day Fit's virtual online classes that we're running seven days a week through Zoom. It's so important to keep moving right now for both your physical and mental health. If you're ready to sign up to start working with me, you can visit alldayfit.com online hub. That's alldayfit.com online hub, and you'll find all the details for signing up there. I'll also link that website in the show notes. This online one-on-one personalized training is a service that All Day Fit has never offered before. So this is your chance to take advantage and start working with me right away. Okay, guys, let's get back to the episode. I think the important thing is the awareness of our schedule and the awareness of understanding where we want to be. I would love if you could talk to us about this concept of metacognition. Sure. I had never come across it before I read it in your book, but I think that it ties very closely into the awareness piece of understanding how you think. So can you just tell us what metacognition is and then how we can practice it?
0: Yeah, the best way to do this is probably with a story. So last fall, I went to South Africa for a wedding. A buddy of mine was getting married and after the wedding, which was just incredible, we went up north of Durban to Shishue National Park, which is the oldest game park in Africa. It was amazing and I've been on safari a couple of times before and I love Africa and in Tanzania and Kenya. In 2003, I rode my bike across Africa. So it was like being at home again, just really love that continent and specifically South Africa as well, even though obviously there's some challenges there right now, but Shishue game park is amazing. Cool. So we went there and we arrived at the lodge where we were staying checked in and as we're checking in there's this board and i look at the board i'm like okay game drive 6 a.m cool uh game drive 6 p.m great uh and then there's walking safari 5 a.m it's like walking safari that's interesting because the other two times i've been on safari they're like do not get out of the truck yeah if you get out of the truck you're part of the food chain don't get out of the truck pee off the side but you're not getting off the truck so I was like walking safari. What is that? And being the adrenaline junkie, I was like, sign me up. Don't care. I'm in fired up. So the guide and I walk out into the bushlands in the morning and he's got this tiny little pea shooter gun. I don't know what would be used for groundhog or something like that. Like certainly not an elephant. Uh, And we walk out into the bush in South Africa and it was stunningly amazing. We're, We're walking around and we track an elephant for a while. We see it in the trees and it's just spectacular. We go down into a watering hole, which is in my mind insane because that's where all of the animals go to, you know, like eat each other. So we come out the other side of the watering hole and we stand up and we sort of move through these bushes. We look to our left and there's this rhinoceros, maybe 50 feet away, pointed straight at us. Oh
1: my God.
0: It looks at us. The horn is pointed at us. The ears sort of lock forwards. And it's like dialed in on us, and we're staring at everybody freezes. I freeze, the guide freezes, the rhino freezes, everyone stops moving. It's just like this moment of what is gonna happen now. It's gonna going one of two ways, right? Either it's charging us and we die, or I'm gonna get a great picture. So <laughs> got a great picture, and then sort of moved away and eventually sort of got ourselves, extricated ourselves from the situation. And the night I got home and I was flipping through my pictures. And when I looked at the picture, I blew it up. It's like, oh my God, I didn't even see the second rhino. So in the picture, just to the right, probably about 20 feet off to my right was another rhino, but in the bushes mm-hmm. that I did not see in the actual moment because I was so like tunnel vision locked in on the horn that was pointed at me, like legitimately so. So the analogy afterwards, when I was thinking about it was pretty powerful because when we are locked in on one thing, when we are faced with a threat, when we are stressed, when we're focused, when we're hustling when we're performing when we're diving into our to-do list or plowing through our email or dealing with a project or you know trying to get your kids to practice on time or whatever it happens to be when we're stressed we enter into beta brainwaves and we get locked in on one thing and we fail to see everything else around us and we lack awareness that term that you just used which is so powerful and when we slow down when we relax when we move into what's called metacognition your waves slow down, you get into an alpha brainwave state, which are slower brainwave cycles of electricity moving through your brain. So it's like literally the brain is relaxing and more of the brain becomes activated. That is when we're able to think differently. Mm -hmm. That is when we're able to think about how we think, which is a simple way of describing metacognition. You're thinking about how you think, you are contemplating, you are reflective, you are able to learn You are able to think strategically. You cannot think strategically when you're stressed. You cannot learn when you're stressed. Uh, We have to be able to calm our minds down, be in a a relaxed state physically and mentally. And that opens up your ability to increase your awareness and consider other things like the second rhino. It was only once I was at home back in my lodge safe, I could sort of chill out with a beer, looking at my computer that I was like, oh my God, second rhino and parrots, missed the parrots too. So... I think that that is important for us to understand that we need to have time in our lives regularly, consistently, to try to build some awareness back into our lives and to contemplate what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we're getting it done. So mm-hmm. if you want to spark more metacognition, there's some really cool research that shows that if you ask yourself three questions, what, why, and how, that is a process that increases alpha brainwave activity in the brain and can increase your ability to do and practice metacognition. And when students do that, they improve their performance three to 5% on tests and projects and three to 5% might not seem much, but imagine if you improved your marathon time, three to 5%, you'd be like super thrilled. That's like minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes of improvement. So if we all practice that asking those three questions, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And how am I going to get it done? that I think will drop you into metacognition and enable you to do things in your life at a little bit of a higher level. So a really cool thought, uh, really cool practice and something that's eminently achievable from us if you just build it into your life.
1: I love that. And both are so important, right? Like sometimes we do want that tunnel vision of like hyper-focused and that serves us very well. But sometimes we get caught up into only that and we don't actually enter into more of the Metacognitive reflective state. So, I think that those are great questions to ask to get you into that place. Let's talk a little bit about vacations. Vacations are a great way to rest, refocus, and recharge. A lot of people take vacations where they're still connected and tethered in some way through their devices, um, whether it's through email or messaging to their work. Why do you advocate that people take? Unplugged vacations and why does it really matter?
0: It really matters because when we're on vacation, we recover, we regenerate, we recharge, we refocus like all of our capabilities come back to life. We reduce our stress levels, we dissipate all the stress hormones inside of our bodies. Actually, as we're doing this interview, like my desktop is the beach sunset where I I love to go on the Pacific coast down in Central America. And so I'm just like looking at this scene right now and being like, oh, I just want to, you know, drift off to Nicaragua right now as fast as I can. But when you're on vacation, it's very easy in our world today to remain tethered and connected to everything that's going on. And you can work from anywhere, which I think is fabulous. Like I've taught classes at university from the Chicago airport. I taught a class in Toronto, Canada from Sydney, Australia, like literally, you know, on the other side of the world. And that's amazing because it enables you to travel. Um, I've done conference calls from a dock at my cottage, right? Like it's, I was at the cottage, but I did a conference call. No one knew where I was. It enabled me to be at the cottage. I love that. It was like, it's great. But at the same time, it can also take you away from where you're at. You could be in Florida, in Barbados, you know, wherever, and still be working eight hours and miss the whole point of being on vacation in the first place which is to recover and to regenerate. Mm -hmm. The other really interesting thing when you're on vacation and you actually relax is that after a few days, you notice that you slowly dissipate all of that tension. You start to relax, you start to stare at the waves or go for that hike or read that book and you open your mind up to actually being creative. So another brainwave state that we can enter into is called theta brainwaves, and they're super slow, slightly higher than sleep, much lower than beta, even lower than alpha when we're in metacognition. And when we're in theta wave states, we are creative. And the cool thing that happens in theta states is that different regions of the brain become active and they become more connected. So there's two networks, there's gray matter and white matter in the brain. And so two regions of the brain might get activated and then white matter tracks Uh, connect those two together. So all of a sudden you have a eureka moment and an insight that you didn't have happen before. Again, that can't happen when you're stressed. You can't come up with new solutions to old problems when you're super stressed. Mm -hmm. It's only when you relax, when you contemplate, when you think, and you stare at the waves for a while, or water is hitting your forehead when you're in the shower. Another way that people may be able to identify with this is when you're on long, long drives. And you shouldn't be daydreaming while you're driving, but often people do. And that ideative, daydreaming state is one that's associated with extremely high levels of creativity so that is a state that we can enter into and you're lying on the beach staring at the waves for a while, and then all of a sudden boom an idea will pop into your mind about oh you know what maybe i could do that differently Mm -hmm. or you're reading this amazing book and you're getting new ideas because you're into this biography of whoever it is that you're that you're reading or you're learning you know historical fiction and you understand things a little bit differently like it's so important to open up our minds and open up our brains to new ideas, to creativity, to ideation, to problem solving, because so often we just get stuck in hustle, 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 go, 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 to-do lists and it doesn't serve us. And the wild thing when you actually do this is that when you do really go on vacation, you put on the auto responder, like I'm on vacation, I'm not checking my email. When I get home, I'm deleting all of my emails. So if it's important, message me on Monday morning again, you'll discover a couple things. First of all, you'll discover that tragically and horrifically you don't matter as much as you think that you do. And everyone's (laughs) going to get along just fine without you, which was devastating the first time that I made that realization on a Monday morning when I didn't check my email all weekend, no one noticed. It's like, oh, it's just so heartbreaking. The other thing that you'll notice is that other people step up and you don't want to be dumping your work on other people and sort of leaving them to cover for you. But if you are part of a good team and if you're leading anyone and this, you can lead at any level of an organization, no matter where you're at, um, you'll discover that people step up and you'll discover that people take the information that you were working on and they run with it and they can do cool things. And often their abilities get expanded when you're taken out of the equation. Like people learn more, they maybe take more responsibility. Maybe they make more decisions and that's something that can carry over afterwards. So In so many ways, it's good for us to do, and it might actually be good for the other people around you, not just yourself. So take the vacation, unplug, put on the autoresponder, try it out. You'll absolutely love it, and I don't think the world will end if you do it, so give it a shot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and learning that the world won't end when you do it is so important, right? We have to learn that, that it's okay to step away. I think we have to reframe the way we think about vacations from being time off to time that's serving us and it's time for ourselves because those are the moments when we're able to cultivate creativity. Have you read the book, The Big Magic?
0: No. By chance? Writing that down right now. great.
1: It's about creativity and it really, but in reading this book, it was the first time that I really sat back and thought about why creativity is important in my life because I think before I thought, You know, I'm not an artist. I I didn't see myself as someone who needed to be creative, but in reality, we all need creativity. We have ideas that are coming up, I'm producing content, I'm talking on podcasts. Like, Of course, creativity is important in my life, but I had never thought of it exclusively like that before. So after reading this book, I just realized the importance of cultivating creativity, but it only happens when I stop, when I pause when I slow down in those moments when I am out in nature, right? It doesn't just come to me in the middle of the day when I'm working through my to-do list. So I just think the reframing of how we think about vacation is, is so critical because we, we diminish the importance of taking the break of taking time off, but it actually, it is so important.
0: Yeah, it is. And you mentioned a couple things that I want to, I want to grab onto and lean into. And the first one is you get these insights when you're in nature Mm-hmm. There's great research that shows that when we're in the trees, when we're in the mountains, when we're by the water, that those natural environments improve our ability to drop into alpha and theta states so that you become more creative. You literally get more ideative when you're in nature. So go to the beach, like go for the hike, get into nature, leave your phone behind. When we get ourselves outdoors, Our brains love that. We get out of our built environments. We get out of these environments that have straight lines that are damaging to our mental health and into environments with chaotic natural patterns all around us, which are great for our mental health. So I love that you latched onto that idea of being creative in nature and that we're all creative. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I grew up and certainly didn't value creativity at all. In fact, I thought that I was not an artist. I was not, I loved listening to music, but I couldn't play music. Like, I'm not doing drama. That is not my world. Unfortunately, you know, subsequent to that, I've now done acting lessons. I've now done voice lessons, although my voice is thrashed right now from doing too many podcasts because I'm stuck at home. (laughs) Um, I've now become a writer. I never would have dreamt of any of those things when I was younger. And so we realize that we're creative all the time Mm -hmm. and everything that we do can be creative. Playtime with your family can be creative. Financial engineering, if you're in in finance, can be creative. Writing a book can be creative. Designing workouts for runners can be creative. Mm -hmm. Uh, Podcasting is super creative. Like It just becomes so critical to all of our lives once you open up your mind to, man, there's so many different ways of living. There's so many things that we could be doing. There's so many things that we could be sharing. There's so many different ways of operating. And then you can really unlock all sorts of amazing, cool things to be doing and yeah just unleash on the world it's gonna be super awesome mm-hmm.
1: let's talk a little bit about our devices devices can be amazing and great tools for us but they can also be very detrimental so how do we change from using devices in a compulsory way to using them in an intentional way that's actually useful and productive for us
0: uh, great question it's funny as you're speaking like oh no i've got an uro ring on which is tracking my sleep. I've got an Apple Watch on my desk. <laughs> I've got a phone right here, an iPad, a computer. Like, I'm literally surrounded by all of my devices. And so, like, I use them. I use this to track my sleep and my body temperature, right? I use this Apple Watch to track all of my workouts. I use this to check my email, communicate, and to post on social. Um, I use my iPad to learn. I use my laptop to create, but they're intentional. Mm -hmm. Like I'm intentionally using these technological advancements and tools to make my life better and to share my information and to operate and do the things that I like to do, which is do science, share science and help people action science. So it's like what I love to do. And so when we use these devices, we can have an impact on the world. We can make ourselves better. We can learn, we can share, we can communicate, we can connect amazing mm-hmm. yet unfortunately they are also designed to capture and hold your attention i think it's interesting that johnny ive who designed this for apple was quoted as saying he doesn't allow his children to have one <laughs> it's kind of a powerful statement really
1: right? wow so, yeah
0: you <laughs> know how this thing is designed and although i'm a big fan of social media i I've used social media extensively to communicate with friends and family. Um, I publish a ton on social every single day on every single platform. Like, I'm deeply engaged in pushing out positive content on social media. I've also had conversations with people, athletes, for example, that are compulsively scrolling through Instagram at three o'clock in the morning and as a result are not doing well at their sport. And I know that comparing yourself to other people on social is damaging to your mental health. Mm -hmm. And certainly checking the news cycle every 20 minutes right now in the middle of this pandemic is damaging to your mental health. So there are ways of using these devices that are positive, commenting positively on social, by the way, improves mental health, passive consumption of social um, damages mental health, according to John Izzo and one of his books, which you can check out um, Dr. John Izzo, if you want to look, I-Z-Z-O, um, you could look up. He's got a number of different books on the topic. But I think there's a way of using these that's absolutely incredible. Like I love taking pictures of my kids. I love, I don't share them on social, but I love like having that record for, for them when, when they're older. I love the fact that my kids can FaceTime my mom and dad, right? And they're like communicating intergenerationally using these devices. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've taught a class on my iPhone from the airport, right? Like there's amazing ways of using these things but they're designed to capture and hold your attention. And attention is the currency of our era. Our attention is captured so that people can sell us ads based on what we're looking at. Like we are the product. We are, and our attention is the currency. And so we have to defend ourselves against that. And it's really important for us right now. And again, it's another opportunity to wipe clean the slate of what media are you consuming? What podcast do you subscribe to? What magazines are you subscribed to? Who are you following on social? Who are you following on Instagram? Who are you connected to in your friend network on Facebook? Are all of those people, all of those things, all of those media elevating your life and making you better? Or are Mm -hmm. they taking away from your life and making you negative and pulling your energy away? And that leads you to some very hard decisions. It's easy to cancel a magazine subscription. It's easy to cut your list of friends on Facebook back to the people that you actually care about. And then, when we do that, it's amazing how, when you narrow your media that you consume to only positivity, it makes it much easier to think in a positive manner. When you narrow the people that you communicate on a regular basis to those who are positive and who elevate you, your life gets better. Uh, And this may even lead you to a point where you need to make some hard decisions about who are you communicating with in your close circle of friends, and even who are you communicating with in your family. And it might be that there are certain people in your family that do not serve you and do not make your life better. In fact, they may make your life worse, in which case you need to make some hard decisions about who you are spending your time with, or have the hard conversations that you need to have to change that relationship to one that's beneficial and positive. We only live once, and life goes by really, really quickly. So we need to control our attention, make our lives better, serve others, help other people, be a positive influence on others, share great things, go through life and make it the best that we possibly can. And it's not to say that like, we're not gonna have hard times and rely on other people, you know, to help us in times when we're struggling, but we want to be making sure that what we consume, where our attention goes, and that is something that we intentionally control, not compulsively consume. And that's really where I sort of land on, on devices is, you know, they are incredible tools for us. The technology is absolutely amazing. You know, I have the entire history of all human knowledge in my pocket at all times. That's pretty neat. Um, but we don't want to be compulsively scrolling through social and wasting our lives to sort of watching people be on vacation yet again, wherever they happen to be. So yeah, that's where I land on that one.
1: Yeah, we become such a product of the posts of the social media that we consume and the people that we choose to share our time and energy with. So those can be really hard questions to ask yourself, but they really are crucial. I heard a stat from Kevin Darby the other day that every time you pick up your phone and you get distracted by social media, it takes you on average 23 minutes and 15 seconds to refocus fully on whatever task you were doing. Yeah, that's really? a baseball oh my. moment. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is
0: uh, like, <laughs> ah! Yeah, Yeah, that's crazy.
1: So it really does take away and capture our attention, I think, in a way that like on such a massive scale that we don't even realize. We think it's just a quick pickup and, you know, look at the notification from Instagram. But really, it, it completely refocuses and changes where our attention is for quite a while. I'm curious, do you carve out specific social media time or um, like time that you're on your devices or is it kind of just trickled throughout your day?
0: There's a few strategies I've used. So with regards to posting on social, I use a platform called Agora Pulse, And so I've connected it to all of my social media accounts. Excuse me. And once a quarter, so once every three months, I will spend two days programming social media into that. And then it goes out once or twice a day on all my different platforms. And it's all different by platform. So I literally spend two days a quarter posting on social and then it's done for three months. Cool. Which is great, except that then some people come up to me like, Hey, I love that article you posted this morning. You're like,
1: no idea what it down. was. I no idea what I posted this morning.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it does disconnect you a little bit from that one. Um, I do check in in the evenings to look at comments to answer people. So that'd mm-hmm. sort of take an hour at the end of the day, just to sort of go through and make sure I'm connected with everybody. The reality is it never takes me an hour. Usually it's like 20 minutes or something like that mm-hmm. to clean out all of my comments. I just recently turned off all of the audio notifications and all of the notifications on all of my devices for email, text messaging, Facebook messenger, and all of my social media platforms because I was finding they were just buzzing and it annoyed me constantly. (laughs) So I was like, all of the notifications are off on all of my devices. That way my attention goes where I want them to go. Like I will scroll through Facebook to see what some of my friends are up to. I will definitely go on Instagram from time to time, just to sort of like see what's going on. And I follow, journalists and scientists on Twitter. So I trust the people that I follow on Twitter. So My feed is super clean. So I've been checking on that a lot. I've actually been having some great conversations with people on LinkedIn. So I, I have been engaging a fair bit recently, but it's very intentional and it's not sort of being driven at me of like all notifications are off. These things are silent. They're all dark. The only person that can get through to me is my wife. But yeah, I've turned everything off and I'm relentless now about um, about doing that. I've got an organization as well that I run a consulting group. And so we've actually moved all of our internal communications onto Slack. And so Smart. that's a, a platform that we now use for all of our internal communications and email goes external. It's just another mechanism to decrease the chatter and decrease the noise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm kind of relentlessly trying to minimize the number of distractions that I'm faced with. And that's what I've done. I still use it. I still engage with it, but it's pretty deliberate. And it's interesting now that my daughter's getting a little bit older. She's four and or sorry, she's nine. And so she's starting to check this stuff out and be like, what's social media? What, how do you use it? Can I have an Instagram account? No. Um, <laughs> yeah. But she's starting to, you know, like that discussion starting. So I don't know how that'll play out yet, but we'll see. Uh, it's, I don't mind her being a content producer, but I'm not so sure how I feel about her being a content consumer. So we'll have to see how that plays out in the next few years.
1: Yeah. That's going to be interesting to navigate. I think about that often with kids. That's
0: tough. Definitely. It's going to be interesting, especially when I'm on it all the time. Like I'm, you know, trying to share my content at scale to as many people as I possibly can. There's no question that social media drives my business. Absolutely guaranteed. Um, you know, I killed all my social media for six months last year and just as an experiment to see what would happen to public speaking and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it cratered, so I then rebuilt everything from scratch after that and it's going much, much better now. But it's interesting, like it's related. So I want them to be able to use it as a tool to accomplish what it is that they want to accomplish. But I'm really worried about them passively consuming it and have their attention be the commodity. So I'm really worried about that. So we'll see. I'm not quite sure how to play that one out yet, but that's going to be the the, the experiment in the next few years as Ingrid demands and will overcome because I can't say no to anything uh, with her soon. So anyway, that's, on. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Good luck. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that's it's already tough over. One. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, from completing two marathons, 600 miles north of the Arctic Circle to an 8,000 mile world record setting cycling expedition across Africa to a climbing a volcano in Ecuador, it's safe to say you participated in a lot of really epic events. I'm curious, what experience stands out to you as requiring the most mental determination to complete?
0: Hmm, The Tour de Afrique bike race in, in 2003 was particularly tough. So I graduated from my PhD and no one would hire me, so I was unemployed. So I sold everything, put all my stuff in storage, broke up with the wonderful woman I was dating at the time, but you know, not the right person long-term. So anyway, so I cleared my life of everything. and went to Africa and cycled with a group uh, from Cairo to Cape Town. I joined them in Khartoum because I was a little bit late because I had to defend my PhD. And that was a, an 8,000-mile race, uh, an expedition, really. And so it was the first time that that had ever been done. Eight people on the expedition got in the Guinness Book of World Records for the fastest human-powered crossing of Africa. And that was tough because it was incredibly hot. Like There were many days where it was 130 degrees Fahrenheit, 8 That's to 10 insane. hours on the bike, um, violent gastrointestinal distress because you're drinking local water because you just simply can't purify water fast enough. You know, you're going through eight to 10 liters a day. It takes half an hour to purify water. So you just give up. You start drinking local. Eating food as a Westerner on the side of the road in front of locals who don't have enough food breaks your brain because there's just too many people to help. You can't can't help. Um, Sleeping in AIDS orphanages is like, yeah, I'm like shaking actually as I'm starting to talk about all these things. And I remember there was a moment in Kenya, in Northern Kenya, which is bandit territory. It's not controlled by any government. It was near this, the border of Somalia. And I was in a crowd of kids, probably like a hundred kids all around me. Cause I stopped somewhere and they just like swarm you. Cause you're, you know, a white guy in spandex and they don't see that very often uh, on a bike, no less, not in a, you know, sort of a white aid truck that zips through. Um, they were all sort of around, but, and then one child and I connected eyes and, He was sick, he was not doing very well. And um, I think we both realized at that moment that I had the power to save him, but that it wasn't gonna happen because it was just like too much. And to tear my eyes away from that kid and get back on my bike and move through the crowd of children and to go on my cycling expedition, I will probably never recover from that one moment um so that was mentally i don't know if it's mental determination but that was like mentally breaking that requires you just to go through you know what you go through and then when i got back to toronto which is a you know great city it's safe after i got home i remember sitting on the outside of a coffee shop in june just drinking coffee just sitting around and a truck drove by and sprayed water on the street and <laughs> For five months, I just been spending every single day, all day long, thinking about how am I gonna get clean drinking water. And here I get home, and they're spraying clean drinking water to clean the streets. It's just like, what the fuck! I think I had PTSD for like a long time after that one. So that was hard. But then there's there was one moment that stands out, and it's probably not a bad place to sort of stop, at least hopefully round one of this this interview. We'll do another one later, some other time, but. As we were climbing the volcano in Ecuador in 2015, Chimborazo, stunningly beautiful, and you climb at night because the ground freezes, so it's safer. There's fewer rock falls, hmm. um, and so we're climbing, 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 three, four, five hours, getting higher and higher and higher. It's getting steeper and steeper and steeper, harder and harder and harder. there's a snowstorm going on, and you're like just sort of scrambling your way up this volcano. around three o'clock in the morning after working out at like heart rate max, heart rate 160, 180, nonstop for hours and just getting pummeled physiologically, we broke through the clouds. And all of a sudden we looked up and there's like, you're at, you know, 18,000 feet altitude at the equator, far away from any city. So it's crystal clear air. And there was like thousands and thousands and thousands of stars. And you could clearly see the entire Milky Way. And so out of this insane suffering came this moment that like just was the most spectacular thing that my eyes may ever take in in my entire life. So, you know, out of suffering, out of difficulty, out of challenges, out of all of these expeditions, there have been moments where it was like horrific, like looking at that kid and saying, no, I'm going to leave you now to die, which breaks your soul. And then there's other moments where you have these massive experiences like these exponentially amazing experiences that you'll never forget Uh, so when we participate in sports when we do expeditions when we push ourselves when we test the limits uh, when we race uh, when we go on vacations when we do anything that's sort of out of the normal we have the opportunity to live life differently and living life differently means that you get to experience the highest highs but then unfortunately also sometimes the lowest lows I believe that's a better way of living. It's kind of how I've chosen to live actually. So I would encourage everyone to experiment, push the limits a little bit. Don't be afraid. The world's an amazing place. There's lots of fun stuff to do. You don't need to climb a volcano or swim with sharks or ride across Africa. You can go for a hike or something like that. It's just as good. But yeah, that's some of the difficult moments and hard things we've done mentally and the outcome can be either very negative and tough, which I think strengthens you ultimately. Um, but can also be some of the most spectacular things you'll ever experience in your entire life. So, yeah.
1: There are about a hundred more questions that I want to ask you about all of those things. So I (laughs) think we might have to have you back on. on. Yeah. Tons of questions spinning in my brain, but that sounds amazing. Thank you for sharing. And I think that you make a great point that you have to put yourself in those situations in order to be able to live life differently and reap the benefits of some of the amazing things that the world has to offer. Okay, Greg, before we wrap up, I have one final question for all right, you. Sounds good. And I have to ask it because I ask everyone this question that comes on the podcast. What makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning?
0: It's kind of interesting. It's another sort of massive challenge right now. Um, largely, my income is derived from public speaking, travel the world, did you know, 100,000 miles last year, multiple countries you know, all over the planet speaking and sharing and writing books and all that sort of stuff obviously with the coronavirus thing that has stopped. So my, what gets me out of bed right now is converting my business to digital. And I'm so excited because the reach is going to be so much greater. The creativity is off the charts with video, with audio, with written, with documents, with like all these cool tools that we can create. I love technology, so I'm super fired up about that. The other thing that gets me out of bed every single morning is just watching my kids. Like they're learning so much. They're becoming such interesting people every moment's an adventure. Uh, Every day is an adventure. And so sort of a combination of those two things, like professionally, I'm loving the challenge of, of rebuilding a business in this incredibly different world. And personally, it's like just family. just love hanging with the kids, family and work right now, getting me out of bed in the morning and I'm loving both. So it's pretty cool time.
1: Awesome. I love it. If people want to learn more from you, they want to find out more about you. Where can we direct them?
0: Uh, everything goes through my website, so that's drgregwells.com, uh, d r g r e g w e l l s.com. Uh, all my social media are at drgregwells. So you can check that all out: um, books, podcast, app—you know, all that sort of stuff is all all there. So, would love to connect with everybody.
1: Awesome! Thank you so much for sharing your time today. This has been a blast.
0: Yeah, so much fun. Thank you for having me on the show. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of How Do You Feel. Remember, we release a new episode every Monday morning. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and CastBox. If you're liking what you're hearing, please rate and review the show. Every review really does go a long way. I appreciate every single one of them so, so much. If you're liking what you're hearing on the show, please share it with a family member or friend that you think could benefit from listening to the things that we talk about on How Do You Feel? All right, guys, that's all I have for you this week. Make sure you get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.